RC. See you out there, boy. Yeah. See you. Yeah. yeah. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Y'all ready? Smack him in the mouth. Yeah, I gave you fair warning. Beware. Beware. Smack him in the mouth. Yeah. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Smack him in the mouth. I don't think they ready, Mike. I gave you fair yeah. warning. Beware. They better get ready. <laughs> Yo. Phil Flames, I went mic on the mic. Yep. What's up, the brand new one time for one your mind? He gave you fair warning. Now it's time to smack him in the mouth with that raw sports talk from the town. Sweet chin music to your favorite sportscaster. Mike on the mic with sports talk that matters. Reppin' for the West, see the palms in the logo. Mike on the mic, sports pod, let's go. I gave you fair warning, beware. Smack him in the mouth. You are listening to episode 5 of the Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. Welcome back. What a crazy week I had. It was the first week of college for me, and I also went on a fishing trip with my dad, and I also did the podcast. So, a crazy hectic week. We are back to normal this week, and I have some great topics to talk about today. And let me just tell you right now, giving you the fair warning. This is an all-NFL hype episode. Just getting hyped for the NFL season that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Anyways, we're going to cover four topics, four topics on the NFL for you today. Starting off with Madden. I'm going to talk a little bit about Madden. It's going to be a very brief, little, small rant about Madden and Madden 21 this year. Secondly, I'm going to talk about the top three free agents, in my opinion, that are left and where I see them going or where I see them fitting and where I want them to land right before the NFL season starts. Number three, we're going to talk about who is feeling the most heat going into the 2020 NFL season, who has the most pressure to perform at their job, whether it's coach, management, uh, players, whatever it might be. I'm going to go over about five different people or players or groups that have the most heat going into the 2020 NFL season. I'm going to close it out by predicting who will win every division for the AFC. This week we're going to do the AFC. Next week I'm going to predict who will win every division for the NFC. So buckle up, get ready for episode 5 of the Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. Let's get into that sports heat starting with topic 1. Well, I'm gonna take my team to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna stretch till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my team to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna stretch till I can't no more. I got two active running backs, abilities attached. Got a quarterback, but I'm never gonna pass. Armbar and spin cycle, killing you dogs like Michael. Stretch or dive every plate you clock and win the title. Does anybody have run defense? They ain't got no defense. Does anybody have run defense? They ain't got no defense. My inbox filled with gold. I run in cover three sky. 3D line X factors. Yeah, I am that guy. I suck at the game and I get failed by EA. I'll beat you on some bullshit, then hit the nay nay. Does anybody have run defense? They ain't got no defense. Does anybody have run defense? They ain't got no 
Before I get started on this topic, I just want to give a shout out to Mazomatic on YouTube for that awesome remix of Old Town Road, designed for Madden. Anyways, gonna get into Madden. Madden 21 came out this week, and a lot of people are a little upset. It seems to uh, be a flop so far. And really, from the start of the release of this Madden, it has seemed to have been kind of just, just not too exciting. Well, when the, when the Madden ratings came out, it was clear that there were a lot of mistakes made in the ratings. Everyone was so confused by some of the some of the ratings that came out. Who was given uh, higher ratings than other players? And then when Madden finally dropped, we noticed that this game, Madden 21, is almost the exact same game as Madden 20. And Madden 20 is almost the exact same game as Madden 19. Right, am I playing Madden 13? On Madden 21, is that what's happening right now? Because it almost feels like we're getting the same game with new rosters every single season. The graphics have improved slightly, but it's not drastic to the point where it's like you worked on this for a year and put this out. They just put out the same game. EA's being lazy. They realize there's no competition in the football video game uh, stratosphere, so they can just do whatever they want, basically. And suckers like me are going to buy it just because I'm a football super fan. I've been playing Madden my whole life. Literally been playing Madden since PlayStation 2. And some of you, that might not even seem that old. But for me, that's my whole life I've been playing Madden. I've played almost every Madden since I've been old enough to hold a PlayStation controller. And it's almost the same thing every year. Um, and this may be the worst Madden since we had the Madden Rewind button where you could rewind a play that went bad and replay it again. They added the yard. That was something they added. I think that is cool. I think the yard feature is cool because I've always wanted a very customizable uh, my player that I could put on different uniforms. I could put on a different style. I could show my character through my character on the video game, something that 2K has always done pretty well with the my player in, in that game. So I was hoping Madden could replicate something like that. And they have something similar to it. They have started something similar to it, and they can improve upon it each year, hopefully, which... But signs are showing they're not going to prove on it at all. This is, this is what we're going to get for the next 10 years. And then they'll make a drastic change after 10 years of demanding something better for the yard. But still, even with the yard being added to the game and me being excited to play the yard, I get on the yard and I've only been able to play two games with my buddies because it glitches out or freezes every two seconds. And that's EA servers or whatever it might be, the game itself. I can't even play the yard. I got so excited for the yard. I created my character. He looks so cool. He's wearing the powder blue Chargers jerseys. I gave him a mustache. I got to show my character through my character like I've been demanding on Madden forever. But I can't play the damn game mode because every time I try and play the game mode, it freezes nine times out of ten. I, get, I have to try ten times to play one game for it to maybe freeze in the middle of that one game. So there you go. Maybe they're going to have patches that come out that can fix something like that, but you should not release your game with those kind of problems already existing. Like, it should have been tested out. They should have found out these issues and fixed them before they released their game for $60. And some people probably bought the Pro Pack and got spent $100 in this game, and they just got Madden 20 over again, basically. Ultimate Team, Franchise Mode, Face of the Franchise are carbon copies of Madden 20. It is the same game with an updated roster and updated ratings that we all kind of disagreed with in the first place. So, I mean, fans are, are upset and are annoyed, rightfully so, as I am too. I mean, I, I kind of expected it because it's happened the last probably seven, eight years. We've gotten the same game over and over again. So I'm expecting it. I'm not let down because I've got what I expected. 
right? I spent $60 on the same game. Basically, I spent $60 in the game to play with my friends because I know everyone else is going to buy the game. If I have Madden 20, I can't play with them on Madden 21. They should, if they're going to do this, if they're only going to prove the game every five years, release a game every five years like Grand Theft Auto. They don't put out a game every year because if they did, it would be the same game over and over again. They wait until they have a completely new game around the same basic concept of Grand Theft Auto, and it's super fun, and everyone uh, gravitates towards it and loves the game because they spent the years, they spent the time improving the game. And I know a year-by-year game like Madden is going to improve slightly each year, but there should be something that you could be like, wow, this is why I'm buying the new game each year. Every time I think about why I bought Madden 21, it's just for the rosters. That's really it. That's really what it is. I want Jamal Adams and the Seahawks. You know what I mean? I want Chris Harris on my Chargers. That's it. That's all I bought it for. So that's that's not good enough. That's not good enough to spend $60 a year. And I'm going to think about it twice before I buy Madden 22 because of what has happened year after year after year after year. And you're going to see sales around the world go down for Madden 22 if they don't make huge improvements and do a very good job advertising that they have made uh, huge improvements. At least in the 2K games for basketball, they improve the, the graphics drastically each year. You see an improvement in graphics each year at the minimum. Madden's not even doing that. You almost see the same thing. They just improve players' likeness each year. That's it. They improve the likeness just a little bit, not even a lot. Basically, they improve the likeness of the star player. So Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, they improve their likeness, and they threw the game back out there. You know what I mean? It's, it's not enough. It's not enough for a game that has a year to be developed. Like I said, I may think twice before I buy Madden 22 unless I see some major changes to the product. And I know a lot of people around the world are going to think the exact same thing. I just wanted to briefly talk about it, go on a little rant. It's big news right now. It's trending everywhere. People are demanding that EA gets dropped from the production of the game, which is a huge deal because they've been producing the game since the 90s. So they've been producing this game since its existence pretty much. And now people are demanding that they get kicked off and maybe the, the NFL moves to making their games through 2K exclusively or if they maybe move to a different gaming company exclusively to produce the Madden games. It's a big deal. So just want to talk about it briefly. Thanks for listening to it. If you're not a Madden fan, hopefully you enjoyed the little remix at the beginning of the topic. Let's move on to topic two. Let's get into talk some football. How far do you think I'm going to make it before I get called out for using these songs as uh, transition pieces? <laughs> How far do you think I'm going to make it before someone messages me and says, Hey, bro, you can't just take songs off YouTube and use them for transition pieces. Anyways, a couple guys were told to hit the road right before the NFL season's about to start. So I'm going to look at, at these guys that were told to hit the road, and I'm going to kind of tell you where I think they will fit best or where I think that they should land. Right before the NFL season starts, I'm going to talk about Jadavion Clowney, Earl Thomas, and Leonard Fournette. So let's get straight into it. Talking about Jadavion Clowney. Now, the Seahawks, they desperately need to bring Jadavion Clowney back. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not ignoring that fact. The Seahawks line on both sides of the ball is the make or break for them this year. They could be a Super Bowl team, or they could be a wild card team or they can miss the playoffs entirely based on how well or how bad this this line play is on both sides of the ball and i'm gonna get more into that later on the episode i have a feeling just based off of the notes i already have written down but anyways everything is in place for seattle except for the lines 
The issue with Jadavion is he wants big money, but he hasn't reached 10 sacks in a season yet. And the Seahawks aren't ready to unload the bank on someone who hasn't proven that they can consistently get 10 sacks a season. Usually the top pass rushers, 10 sacks a season is expected. Anything past that, and they are overperforming, or they're performing basically to the level of their contract if they got a big deal, kind of like Joey Bosa just got. Being so close to the season, it's going to be really hard for Jadavion Clowney to get a big contract like that of Joey Bosa, who just received his big contract. We saw what Melvin Ingram was trying to do. He was trying to say, hey, what about me on the Chargers? And the Chargers basically saying, like, dude, it's too close to the season. We'll guarantee your money for the season. And he was happy with that. And he wanted a new contract. And it's going to be hard for a defensive lineman to get a new contract in 2020 this late into free agency. It's all working against Clowney. He should really think about taking a one-year prove-it deal. Go out there. I know he's taken one-year prove-it deals before. He's been on a couple teams now. Go out there. Get your 10 sacks for the season, and you'll get paid in the next offseason, probably by the team that signed you to the one-year deal. Also, this offseason has been real chaotic with the pandemic and everything. So it's real hard to evaluate players and to give a full look into someone like Jadavion Clowney, like I said, who has had health issues also in his career, but, again, hasn't reached 10 sacks in a season yet. He has reached nine, nine and a half, so he's right there. But 10 sacks for me is the measuring point between a good defensive lineman, a good defensive end, to the elite defensive end. So I don't think Jadavion Clowney is quite into that elite defensive end category yet. So And he wants elite defensive end money, I'm sure. So where do I think he will fit? Where do I think he lands if Seattle does not find a way to get this guy back, which they desperately need him back? If they don't find a way to get him back, where do I think he, I see he could fit very well? The Indianapolis Colts. Bear with me for a second. They have a sneaky roster for next season. On offense, they added a longtime Chargers quarterback, Phillip Rivers. I miss you, Phil, already. And they drafted Jonathan Taylor versus Michael Pittman. So the offense is set. On defense, they got Justin Houston, who will be rushing opposite side of David Clowney. You put those two together, that's a really good pairing to wreak havoc on opposing teams' offenses. Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker, who they've been developing for the last couple of seasons, they're hitting their prime at the exact same time. Clowney, I think, would take the Colts from being a solid wildcard team or you know a competitive wildcard team to winning the AFC South for sure, without a question. Again, I'm going to get into that a little bit later, predicting the divisions and who's going to win each division. But I think that Davion Clowney will be a substantial help to this team's defense, and that's kind of the missing piece on defense right now is another pass rusher that is really going to cause uh, problems for opposing offenses. They already got Justin Houston, but Justin Houston's getting up there in age. So he's gonna you're going to see him start to decline a little bit. I still think he definitely is a good player. I still think he definitely is going to have an impact. But having him and Clowney... Well, that changes everything for the Indianapolis Colts. Moving on to Earl Thomas. This one's a fun one. The Cowboys are about to drop the ball again. Every sign points to Earl Thomas joining the Cowboys for like the last five seasons. But it seems there's a lack of interest now on the Cowboys' end in acquiring Earl Thomas. Maybe they saw something that none of us are seeing right now when they're looking at his tape or, or looking at his history, and they just completely changed their mind. They're saying, we don't really want Earl Thomas so, now that the Cowboys are probably out, where do I see Earl Thomas fitting best? Well, here I go. Here I go. Initially, I did not want to see this happen when he came out and there was rumors about it. But due to the recent turn of events in camp, Derwin James has torn his meniscus. Now, where we originally thought James was electing to do a meniscus trim, I'm not an expert. I've talked to fantasy docs about this. But the trim will repair his knee enough to play around midseason and he could finish out the season for maybe a possible playoff push. But it is now being reported 
that Derwin James's knee is requiring a full repair and he's going to be out for the whole season. He's going to be out the full six to eight months and it's probably going to affect him into next offseason. That is a big deal for the Chargers because this defense was poised to be a super defense. We added Chris Harris Jr. We added Linval Joseph to a loaded a team that was already loaded with talent on that side of the ball in Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Desmond King, Casey Hayward. Probably one of the better. This is probably going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, if not the best defense in the NFL. It definitely has the best talent-wise defense in the NFL. It's just whether or not they were going to gel together or not. That was it. That's kind of what's led me to say this and to change my mind. It hurts being a Chargers fan seeing DJ go down, but you know, let's look at what our options are now. If the Chargers are scrambling to get a replacement, they could go ahead and move Desmond King up top. He's normally a slot corner. We signed Chris Harris Jr. He could be the slot corner. Um, and we have Michael Davis, who a lot of people don't know about, but he's a very solid outside corner. He's very good in zone coverage especially. So we could definitely supplement him on the outside, Casey Hayward on the other side. Chris Harris Jr. is strictly our slot corner, which is kind of what he's best at anyways. And move Desmond King up to strong safety, which Desmond King, I think, can handle it. He's a very good tackler. He's very good in coverage, especially in man coverage on slot receivers and tight ends. So I think he could come in and give us a similar role as Derwin James. Not at the same level, obviously. Derwin James is one of the best safeties in the, in the league and the most versatile players all around in the NFL. Something that you cannot find anywhere else. So no matter what option we choose, you're not going to find Derwin James. You're not going to get Derwin James production. It's just not possible. It doesn't exist out there. We could look at Rayshon Jenkins, who was our free safety last year. He broke out last year. He led the team in interceptions, I believe. And let me tell you, this kid is good. He he is very good. He's a tall, speedy free safety. But that's the problem is I think that he's a free safety. I do not think he's a guy that's going to be able to come down to the box when he's asked to, like Derwin James can at strong and almost be another linebacker that's just very, very good in coverage. So I don't think Rayshon's the best option. I think King's a better option. Then Rayshon to fill as far as people that we have on the roster. Or go get Earl Thomas on a one or two year deal. Like I said initially, I didn't want Earl Thomas. A lot of people were saying that, that Earl Thomas could go to the Chargers because we have a similar defense to Seattle's defense. We run the same scheme and we have similar style players to what the Seattle defense was back in the day with Casey Hayward kind of being our Richard Sherman and with a guy like Kenneth Murray kind of trying to be like our Bobby Wagner and we have a decent defensive line that's going to that's going to cause problems with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, we signed Linval Joseph. We had a similar we had the same scheme and similar guys to the to the Legion of Boom. And on top of it all, our defense coordinator is Gus Bradley who was the defensive coordinator of the Legion of Boom. So with Derwin James, everyone was saying, "Well, they add Earl Thomas and this has gone from super defense to a crazy defense. It doesn't make sense how they got all these guys kind of defense." on the same defense, but I wasn't necessarily for it because Earl Thomas would be playing free safety, and like I said, I like Rayshon Jenkins. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not against Rayshon Jenkins just being the clear-cut starter. We also have Nasir Adderley, who we drafted in the second round last year, but he didn't get to play because he was injured most of the season. We don't know what he's going to be. He looked really good in college, so we had two possible really good free safeties that could uh, make sure that we always have a fresh, solid free safety on the field at the same time. So I was like, I don't need, we don't even need Earl Thomas. We really don't need him. We don't need to spend the money. We don't need to add in the drama to the locker room. It's not needed. But now that we've lost Erwin James, who was a huge part of the defense, Earl Thomas might be needed. We may need to add him to a prove-it deal, or, or if we can get him for cheap, definitely maybe want to think about putting Earl Thomas because – He's similar to Derwin James. He can come in and he can play strong safety. He's typically a free safety, but he plays like a strong safety at free safety. He's a very good tackler. He's a very good blitzer. He's very versatile, like Derwin James. Not the same level as Derwin James. I think Earl Thomas will be a slight downgrade to Derwin James. 
But when it comes to all the options that we have, I think Earl Thomas is the closest to giving out the same production and the same style of play that Derwin James will. Earl Thomas had a little bit of a down year last year in Baltimore, but I think it's a scheme thing. He wants to play a similar role to Derwin James in the defense. Last year in Baltimore, he's kind of just told, play deep. You know what I mean? And he made his impact. He made his plays where they were where they were at, except for that one Derrick Henry run. <laughs> Everyone's been bringing that up, and I'm sure if he gets signed to the Chargers, I'll get that gif sent to me about 100 times from all my buddies. But anyways, I think that Earl Thomas fits best with the Chargers. He he definitely would fit in with this defense. And we need, now with the Derwin James injury, we need a safety that is the exact style that Earl Thomas is. So, bring him to the Chargers. See what happens. We're already in an uh, interesting situation. I originally predicted the Chargers record was going to be 10-6. But the more and more we get into it, and the more and more I look at the Broncos and see that they're healthy, and their offense is probably going to be rolling real strong, and their defense is obviously going to be good. They always have a good defense with that defensive line. Starting to think the Chargers might be sliding out of the wild card picture. They're going to be around 9-7, 8-8, eight eight, probably battling for that last wild card spot. There is three, fortunately, for them. Especially if we don't pick anyone up to replace Derwin James or if Desmond King goes back there and just can't do it, the Chargers might be screwed. <laughs> That's a big position. Derwin James does a lot on that defense. Moving on to the final free agent I'm going to cover and where I think they're going to go. Leonard Fournette. And before I get started, let me let me go ahead and brag a little, pat myself on the back. Former co-host Renee would know. I called it months ago. The Jaguars were cleaning house and everyone was demanding trades out of there. And they were trading slash releasing every veteran with a brain because they realized that that organization cannot keep it together. And just like I said they would, Leonard Fournette is gone. Yannick Nagakwe is gone. And Clayus Campbell, all gone. All big parts of this team. And all guys that were a part of that one good Jaguars year a couple years ago where they actually made a little bit of a run and made a little bit of noise because they had a lot of young, good talent, which they weren't able to take care of and secure. And everyone is gone at this point from that team. The person that hurts the most from this is Gardner Minshew because this basically, I think, kills his entire career. This is pretty crazy to think about, but the kid actually was thrown into the fire and he surprised a lot of people. He played very well and... This year, he's going to be left with nothing on defense, nothing on offense but DJ Chark, who I think is good. But knowing the Jaguars, they'll ruin him too, and he'll leave as soon as he possibly can. The Jaguars are going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. It's, let's just face it. The Jaguars are going to be either the worst team or in the bottom three in the NFL this year. There is nothing Gardner Minshew can do about it. And because of that, they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence or they're going to draft Justin Fields. Looking back at Fournette, because the whole point of this is to talk about Fournette, not the Jaguars. Fournette has so much left in the tank. It's ridiculous how cheap he is going to go for and how cheap he's going to get picked up for. He has a few off-the-field incidents, but other than that, Fournette is a, still a very good RB1 that can be at its almost any team in the league. So this is going to be a hard one to call because a running back like Fournette, where he's a guy that you give the ball to, he's a downhill runner, he can run you over or juke you out or outrun you up the sideline. Every team needs that. Even if you have one, even if you have a Christian McCaffrey, for example, you still need someone to be the second punch. You still need someone to come out and change the pace and run someone over when Christian McCaffrey needs a rest. So every single team in the league technically needs a running back like Fournette. There's a big market for him. He's going to go somewhere. He's going to get picked up. I think Devontae Freeman also is still going to get picked up. I I'm not giving up on that one as well. Every team likes to have a two- or three-headed monster in their backfield but where is the best fit for him in my opinion where do i want him to go so badly that it hurts 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is actually where I see him going if they're smart. I already think they've shown interest in him based off of the reports that are coming out. Tampa has everything on offense, every single thing you need to have an elite offense except a clear-cut bell cow running back like the style of Fournette. While I expect to see an air raid offense from the Bucks with Ronald Jones and Vaughn as checkdown options at the backfield, the Bucks don't have that guy at the running back position that they can just line up and punch it down opponents' throats when they face a team that struggles to stop the run. And that is exactly what Fournette can do for this team. Adding Fournette would really lock Tampa Bay as one of the top offenses in the NFL, if they aren't already. This team's going to be awesome, man. If they get Leonard Fournette, they get out there, and they start to gel by around week four, good luck slowing down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Tom Brady. So it's going to be a fun team to watch, and it's one of the teams I'm going to be watching very closely throughout the NFL season. So that's it. Talked about Leonard Fournette. Talked about Earl Thomas. And I talked about Jadavion Clowney. If you guys have any other free agents you want to hear my opinion on, hit me up. On the Instagram page, here comes my cheap plug for the episode at Mike on the Mike Pod. Go over there and follow at Mike on the Mike Pod right now, and you can interact with me every single week. I put up polls that dictate what I talk about on the episode. So if you're a hardcore listener to the episode, go follow me on Instagram so that way you can hear me talk about the topics that you want to hear, the teams you want to hear me talk about, the players you want to hear me talk about week in and week out. Let's move on to the next topic of the NFL hype episode. Twenty twenty has been a chaotic offseason, a chaotic year in general for the world. But focusing on the NFL in particular, there's some groups and there's some people and there's some interesting situations where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of heat on certain players, managers, groups, and teams. I'm about to go over that right now. My top five players, groups, management that are feeling the heat, feeling the pressure going into the 2020 NFL season. The pressure to perform is always very high for every single player and team, but who is feeling the most pressure, the most heat, starting with five? I got the Seahawks defensive and offensive line as a whole. The Seahawks have it all right now. They have an all-time great quarterback who is still playing some of the best football he's ever going to play. They have a great running back core when healthy. One of the best wide receiver duos going into 2020. They have probably five or six solid tight ends in the roster. I don't know how many they have at this point. A great linebacker core led by one of the best in the league. A revamped secondary that includes newly acquired superstar safety, Jamal Adams. But the O-line and the D-line is the team's Achilles heel every year for like the past three seasons, four seasons. The 2019 Seahawks are a perfect example of why O-line is so important in the NFL. It may be the most important part of your team in the NFL. Russell Wilson was running for his life out there. Every single play, it seemed like Russell Wilson was having to make a defensive lineman miss to get a ball down the field. The D-line was one of the worst at getting pressure without the blitz, which is just an immediate downgrade right there. A huge weapon on a team is to be able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to blitz a linebacker because that guy can drop off into coverage. 
And on top of that, they just lost to Davion Clowney. So it's going to get even worse if someone doesn't step up on that D-line. The Seahawks can be another wildcard team, or they can be a Super Bowl team, depending on the performance of the offensive line and the defensive line. They're preaching it all offseason. The Seahawks can be a Super Bowl bound, or wild card bound, or even worse than that, based off of the O-line and the D-line's play, because everything else is in place except for those two, but those two happen to be some of the most important parts of your team. So, we'll see how they can do. They better perform under pressure. They better have found someone, uh, a diamond in the rough. They better have upgrades ready to go to try and improve the offensive line and defensive line play that we are not all seeing at this moment for the Seahawks to have a chance at making a run in the playoffs, especially in the NFC. It's going to be tough. Number four, I got Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, the veteran quarterbacks. Tick, 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 tick. That clock is running out. The time for these guys to get another ring is running out more so for Breeze and Rodgers but the chance to win a second ring is getting smaller and smaller and smaller with every day that passes the Saints have been inches one play away from Super Bowl appearances each of the last three years in my opinion the Packers went to the conference title game last year and just got blown out by the red hot 49ers and then they didn't really have anything great to show for this offseason to try and improve to get over that hump to get into the Super Bowl again each all-time great quarterback, both of these all-time great quarterbacks are facing only winning one ring in their 20-year careers, and the pressure is on them and their teams to get them to the promised land at least one more time in 2020 before they run out of time in their careers. Number three, I got Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien, two coach managers of their franchises, these two. Jesus, man. I don't know how they aren't fired already. While Bill O'Brien has led his team to playoff appearances behind the, the great play of Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, they can't get into the conference title game despite all the opportunity talent-wise. They can't get really past the first round. I think they won one first round game in the last couple years. Then on top of that, they seem to be trying to make it harder on themselves by trading an undebatably elite wide receiver in the NFL, something that you don't come upon very often. Bill O'Brien has let other ballers like Tyron Matthew and Jadavion Clowney slide between his fingertips and out into the rest of the league before. Now DeAndre Hopkins just to pick up David Johnson's bag contract from the Cardinals. If this move doesn't pay off, he needs to be fired. I'm saying it right now. As a manager and as a coach. He's letting his personal issues interfere with his decisions as a GM. That is something you can't do in the NFL. That's something you can't do in professional sports. That's not how things go. If you don't like DeAndre Hopkins, so be it. The man's a superstar. Him and Deshaun Watson are dragging your team to the playoffs every year, and you're doing nothing to help them. And now you trade one of them away. Ridiculous. Adam Gase is a whole other story. His bonehead coaching and poor leadership is already shown by pushing elite safety Jamal Adams out the door. Now he's causing issues with his proven running back, Le'Veon Bell, also, there are reports of his lack in belief in the clear future of the franchise for the Jets in Sam Darnold. A lot is going wrong in, in New York, and that is why I have them ranked so low in my power rankings. Sorry, Robson. I just see it from the outside looking in how bad it looks in New York right now. And it seems to all be centered around Adam Gase somehow. On top of all that, despite being in a division full of rebuilding teams, they are losing. Every season, they're losing. They're losing a lot. Last year, I think, was their best year. I think they won six or seven games in, in the last five years. 
this is the end of Gase's era. This is the end of Gase's job, I think, this this season. And hopefully the Jets can grab uh, one of these fiery, up-and-coming young college coaches and make that leap from a young team that just can't find a, a win to be, you know, have a strong culture and start working towards becoming a competitor in that division because that division is wide open right now, in my opinion. Number two, feeling the heat. I got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. This was one of the best pairings in sports history. And now it is quickly becoming one of the hottest rivalries in sports history. It seems that everyone cares about this rivalry except for Bill Belichick. He's kind of just cool and collective as we expect him to be. He's going to move on to his business as usual in New England. And he has a plan to recover from losing Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Tom, on the other hand, is on a mission in my opinion. As do all all-time greats, he's worried about his legacy. And he wants to prove his legacy is not just a system quarterback. He wants to prove that he was the engine of that great dynasty they had in New England for about 20 years straight, where they just dominated the entire NFL year in and year out. Every single year, it seemed like they were in the AFC title game playing for a Super Bowl. And they won a lot of those games, and they ended up winning a lot of Super Bowls. So the quest for seven, in my opinion, is on Tom Brady's back. He took it out of New England, and he's moved the quest to seven to Tampa, where he can prove that he's not just a system quarterback and that he was the engine of that great dynasty. Number one, I'm going to go with Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League. Hear me out. With the world crumbling at the hands of a pandemic, and the United States on the brink of an all-out civil war right before the presidential election. The country is in complete chaos right now. And the one thing that typically brings us together more than anything is football. Football is going to attempt to go on with its season. They're going to attempt it, and I think they're going to get through it. It's going to be There's going to be some bumps. And while many times I've been against decisions made by Roger Goodell, a lot seem to be politically driven. I don't like that. You know, I, I feel like you should run your league morally driven and be consistent with what you do as a commissioner and the punishments you hand out and all and the decisions you make. Just be consistent across the board so we know what to expect, especially when you're a billion-dollar company like the NFL. The decision to try his hardest to make football still happen in 2020 is one decision that I do applaud by Roger Goodell because ultimately we absolutely need it. We need the NFL. We need the XFL. We need college football as a public, as a, as a uh, country, more than we ever have in the past. And against all odds, by God, I think we will get it. Now, there will be hiccups, and Goodell will feel the pressure, like I'm saying, as any commissioner has ever felt in the history of time, kind of like Adam Silver. And in this pressure, and in this moment, he needs to make the right decisions to keep football going. We will see when the first outbreak happens in a locker room how Roger Goodell res responds, how the NFL responds, and if it is the right decision. And we will see if that brings the league down or if they push through it and they can keep this NFL season going. So there it is. My top five people, players, coaches, managers that are feeling the heat going into the NFL 2020 season, feeling the pressure. Let's move on to the next and final topic we're gonna have a lot of fun predicting the AFC it's gonna be tough it's 
So here we are, final topic of the day. I'm going to go over the AFC teams and predict each division and who will win each division in the NFL. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. It's been a long episode already. Thanks for listening to this far for this moment. Here we go. AFC West, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. This one's easy. While the Broncos and the Chargers have improved drastically this last offseason, as long as the Chiefs can maintain a top 10 defense, they're pretty unbeatable in my opinion. I'm leaning towards the Broncos competing more so than the Chargers with the Duran James news. The Raiders will make a leap this year, but still in the middle of a Gruden rebuild. And I think they're a few years from being in the fray for this very, very competitive division. I see a possibility of two or three teams making the playoffs this year, especially with the extra wildcard spot being available to each conference. The Chiefs are going to be representing the division as the division champs once again. I'm just saying that right now. For the AFC North, I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. Now, while I'm high on the Steelers this year for the first time in a long time, every time I seem to doubt the Steelers and they just prove me wrong, so I'm just going to stop doubting them. The Ravens are one of the best all-around teams in the NFL, and we can't, we can't, <laughs> can't forget it. I got the Ravens and the Steelers both being above 10 wins, but I'll take the Ravens to repeat as the AFC North champs, the Steelers being a high-end wildcard team. Now, I know what you're saying. Mike, Mike, the Browns. What about the Browns? While everything points to the Browns finally getting together, I'm not going to bet on the Browns to break out until I see it with my eyes. Because every year, we talk about the Browns breaking out, and guess what happens? They don't break out. So I'm not going to keep saying they're going to break out until we are in week six, and I see the Browns' record is 5-1. and one. I am not going to believe in the Browns, no matter who they pick up or who they add to this roster. They seem to be cursed. And unfortunately for Browns fans, I don't know if that curse is going to be broken anytime soon. The Bengals are in a rebuild, but they aren't as far away from being competitive as you guys might think. I think the Bengals can win seven or eight games this year if Burrow even has an average rookie year or even maybe like above average rookie year. The offense will be good this year, but this division is tough, man. You need to be a complete team to compete in this division with the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers all, you know, filled out on their rosters and very few weaknesses amongst them. The Bengals definitely got to make some moves to help out the defense, help out the offensive line, and build a complete team over the next couple years around Joe Burrow. But the receivers and the running back, I think Burrow's going to be good. The Bengals could be good in a couple of years. Let's talk about the AFC East, my favorite division this year, just because of what I think is going to happen in the division. I call it the division of rebuilds. The Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots are all in rebuilds right now. The Finns are the closest, in my opinion, to being competitive. After probably arguably the best offseason in the NFL, they got a lot of good draft picks. They picked up some guys. Byron Jones is a big one. The Jets, they're dealing with drama every time I turn around. Every time I look at NFL.com, there's some kind of drama going on with the Jets. And Gay seems to be driving that team straight into the ground, so I expect them to struggle again this year and eventually fire this guy. Finally, after all these years, eh, what, two, three years of dealing with this dude. The Patriots are starting a rebuild. They're right at the beginning of it. The GOAT has moved on and moved closer to the beach as he preps for his retirement. Bill Belichick made the big move of picking up Cam Newton, which made us all pop and mark out and freak out and say, oh my goodness, the Patriots made a huge move. Maybe they're still going to be good. But the rest of the team either left in free agency or opted out. I think Bill has a long-term plan, but for the first time in 20 years, the doors are open for the champs to be dethroned in that division. Maybe it's a short window, two to three years for this rebuild's complete, but it's open for 2020, and the team that is about to take over 
the Buffalo Bills. Your 2020 AFC East champs can be the Buffalo Bills. The Bills will take advantage and win the East. I'm calling it right now. They had one of the better defenses last year, and Josh Allen opened up his game as a gunslinger slash runner, and he surprised a lot of guys with his moves on the ground as a runner. It may take a few games to click, maybe by midseason, but I think Stephon Diggs is the perfect wide receiver for a QB with the style of Josh Allen. These two should be going off by midseason, in my opinion. Also, when the team starts backing off to cover the deep ball, which Josh Allen has a cannon, probably one of the biggest arms in the NFL, if not the biggest arm in the NFL. He's right there with Patrick Mahomes. Devin Singletary, who is a grueling downhill runner, will eat up the defenses if they start to back off to try and cover the deep ball. The Bills could go undefeated in division games this year. Hot take alert. I think the Bills could go undefeated in division games this year. The Dolphins may get one. The Patriots may get one. But I think they're definitely going to be around 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one in the division this year. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. If there are no fans in Foxborough, a fanless Bills versus Patriots in New England, I still think I'm going to take the Bills to win that game just because they have so much more talent on that roster and they proved that they could play last year. The Bills are going to win the AFC East. I'm calling it right now. Don't forget. Don't forget who told you. Bills, AFC East champs. Moving on to the AFC South and the toughest one for me to predict. I'm very proud of my Jaguars offseason predictions that led them to being my number 32 ranked team. I'm able to find the bad teams. That's pretty clear. Let's see if I can predict the good teams the other way around. Every time the Jags get stars, the organization somehow drives them out of the of Jacksonville there needs to be a change of management after this offseason this is a horrible offseason for them it'll continue with DJ Chark and Gardner Minshew and whoever else they draft I can see Lawrence in my head landing in Jacksonville but maybe he's gonna be one of those guys like Eli Manning who just is like I'm not playing for them hex nah, I ain't going to that team no way moving on I originally had the Texans as the champs I originally predicted the Texans to win this division but three developments have happened since then Bill O'Brien is an idiot. <laughs> I'm just going to straight up say it. The Titans got good, and the Colts found the perfect quarterback for their offense. Although, I got it ranked in my power rankings, having the Texans being the best team in the division, with the Titans second and the Colts third. Watching camp videos, seeing the O'Brien moves, I'm going to jump. I'm going to change everything up. I'm going to go with the Colts as the best team in the South. Now, bear with me. The Texans are struggling to protect Deshaun Watson already as it is, and they traded the best weapon for peanuts and an aging injury-prone running back. This year may be the year that the Texans fall apart and Deshaun says, I'm out of here. I see it happening. I could see it happening. The Titans will be sneaky good again. I, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree that they're going to be good, but they are too one-dimensional for me. Tannehill is one of the best play-action quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. But, in order for the play action to work, it falls on King Henry's ability to dominate. Game in, game out, every single week. And history shows very few times as a pure run-the-ball team like this get to the promised land. Eventually they're figured out, and eventually they're slowed down. Last year was a great run for them, but when they saw an offense with the level of the Chiefs, they couldn't keep up. There was no way for them to keep up because all they had was the run game. They could not air it out like these other teams can. We will see... Those issues continue to show in 2020 and maybe get a little bit more amplified as we get into the season and people start to game plan for them. But I do still think they get one of the three wild cards that are available in the AFC. But I see a 9-7, 10-6, around there. 
for the Titans. Now the Colts, the team that I am high on this this season, have already had a great offensive line, an elite offensive line. I love the pickup of Phillip Rivers. When you look at his best fits in free agency, the Colts were it. That was the best fit for him. With a lot of similarities to Peyton's game, Phil brings a fiery, fiery leadership to an already young, uber-talented offense. It's absolutely perfect in my opinion. And I'm low-key rooting for the Colts this year a little bit more than most teams. And then they go out and they draft Michael Pittman, who was a steal where they got him. Combined with drafting Jonathan Taylor, who is in my opinion the most complete back that was available. And they also still have a very talented running back in Marlon Mack, who can do it all. He's, he's, he, can, he can run on power. He can go in there and be a receiving back. On top of that, the Doyle slash Rivers connection is about to be awesome, in my opinion. They're going to be best friends. All behind a top five offensive line. This offense may be the most efficient offense in the league in 2020. As long as Phil can keep the turnovers down, they're going to average 21 to 28, maybe even more points per game. They're going to be an efficient offense. Now looking at the defense, they've been developing these talented youngsters like Malik Hooker and Darius Leonard. These guys are hitting their prime at the same time. So that, that, that to me is making me very excited for the Colts defense, seeing uh, safety and a, def- a linebacker but at the same exact time hit their primes at the exact same time. Kind of similar to the Chargers defense where all these guys are hitting their primes at the exact same time. They could add one more pass rusher, as I was talking about earlier, maybe possibly adding uh, Davion Clowney to this pass rush because they did let Jabal Shedd go, who was a pretty good pass rusher, but Justin Houston is still there, and he's still going to cause issues for opposing offenses. The Colts, in my opinion, are one of the most complete teams in the NFL when you take a real close look at who they have at each spot. And I got them winning this division narrowly over the Texans or Titans just because we got to see if they all can gel together. But I definitely think that the Colts are going to be competitive in this division. More competitive than last year or any other year prior. There it is, episode 5 of the Mike on the Mike sports podcast. I am Mike, and I am on the mic of the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today. You thought I wasn't going to feed you one of those one-liners this episode, did you? Well, I did. If you made it this far... You must have liked the show. You must have enjoyed the episode. If you do me a huge favor, it helps me out a ton. If you just take one second to go and hit follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you listen to podcasts on. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in as always. Thanks for all the support. Go check us out on our Instagram page at Mike on the Mike Pod. Go find us on Facebook at Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. Find us on YouTube at Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. It's Phil Flames. I'm with Mike on the mic. What's up? The brand new one time for your mind. He gave you fair warning. Now it's time to smack him in the mouth with that raw sports talk from the town. Sweet chin music to your favorite sportscaster. Mike on the mic with sports talk that matters. Reppin' for the West, see the palms in the logo. Mike on the mic, sports pod, let's go! I gave you fair warning, beware. Smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning, beware. Smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning.